I had planned to do um, a little exercise several weeks ago when we ended up having to move inside, uh, just pausing to listen to the way God is moving around us. Um, and so I want, we missed that the other week. Um, we, we had to move inside. So I just want to pause here at the, at the beginning of the, the sermon just to take some moments of silence and to hear how God might be moving around us, mo- moving in, in the creation around us, but maybe we also hear some other neighborhood sounds of ways God might be moving. So let's take a few moments of silence here. God, we trust that you are always moving around us. Sometimes in ways that we perceive and many times in ways that we don't perceive or understand. Open our ears, our eyes, our hearts, our lives to your movement. In Jesus' name, amen. We have been kind of working over the last several weeks through um, a compelling vision statement that was put out by uh, the, the denomination, the Church of the Brethren, which Spring Creek is a part of. Uh, we're part of a, a larger group of church families that are trying to work together, trying to follow Jesus together. Uh, sometimes we do really well, and you know, we also confess that sometimes we fall short of what Jesus really wants us to be. So we talked several weeks ago about how we can live and share the radical transformation and holistic peace of Jesus. That in Jesus, God is transforming everything. Lives, systems, the cosmos, everything is being redeemed, renewed, and restored through Jesus. We talked about the holistic peace or God's shalom, God's wholeness, peace between God and humanity, peace in our interpersonal relationships, peace even between enemies, and peace among nations. That's all kind of part of this this grand, big vision of God's shalom in our world. We realize only a part of that now, and we await the fulfillment in, in the return of Jesus. But we're also a part of the living out of that kind of kingdom now. We're called to that work now. We talked several weeks ago about relationship-based neighborhood engagement, or the the short form of that is we're called to be Jesus in the neighborhood. That our way of living and sharing the radical transformation of Jesus is to be modeled on the way of Jesus, who took on flesh and moved into the neighborhood, who built relationships with those around him. And so our way of sharing this transformation, our way of sharing the holistic peace of Jesus, isn't just supposed to take on any old form that, uh, that does the job. 
but our way in which we share that, that transformation, our way in which we share that peace is supposed to look like Jesus. I've been listening to a podcast over the last uh, couple of months called The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill. And uh, it's about a, a leader and a church culture of one particular megachurch that decided that the ends justify the means. And so as long as the church was growing, as long as people were being baptized, it didn't matter what was happening. It didn't matter the form that was, that was taking place. It didn't matter that people were just being run, run over by the system. It didn't matter that women were being marginalized and their, their voices weren't being heard. It didn't matter any of that stuff as long as this organi organization was, was appearing to succeed. The ends justified the means. But our way, we believe, is supposed to look like the way of Jesus. We talked last week about how we move forward. We are called to develop a culture of calling and equipping disciples recognizing that the body of Christ is, is given this wide variety of gifts and we are called to um, look and, and, and perceive those gifts, which means we need to be in relationship with one another so that we know what each other's strengths and weaknesses are. We know what the gifts of the body are and we're supposed to extend invitation to different folks with different gifts to use those gifts for the glorifying of God, for the building up of his church. And so we need to uh, be a part of a culture that is calling out those gifts and equipping sometimes takes the form of learning and experiencing of trial and error. This morning we want to take a look at the last part of this. We are called to build disciples, to raise disciples who are innovative, adaptable, and fearless. Innovative, adaptable, and fearless. How do you feel about that phrase, innovative, adaptable, and fearless? Let me give you a quick couple of brief definitions, and then I'm going to ask that question again, not as a rhetorical question, but for some response. Innovation, I think of as new ways of doing something. It's, it, this is not a Webster's Dictionary definition, okay? A new way of doing things. And adaptation are new adjustments to old ways of doing things. So let me ask again, how do you feel about that phrase, innovative, adaptable, and fearless? Say it again. That's life. Innovating, adapting, being, well, hopefully being fearless, right? <coughs> Other... Yell it out. Growth. 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 Thank you, Roy and Don. Growth. Movement. I won't ask you to raise your hands for this, but I wonder how many of us are a little afraid of those words. Innovative adaptable, and fearless. Let me ask another question. What innovations or adaptations has Spring Creek undertaken in the past? 
Some of you that have been around for a little while, maybe think back over the years, what are some ways that the church has innovated or adapted? Outdoor services. Yes. Food trucks. Cocoa packs. Hosting them. Some innovating and adapting that's had to happen for each of these. Sure. Services online, okay. A praise band. And keep going back before that. This is not the first time the church has innovated with music. An organ. At one time, that man, that would have been a, a bold move to bring an organ into a brethren sanctuary at one time. New buildings. We've had several iterations, several adaptations uh, in the, the building that is on these grounds. Uh, you still have the old caretaker house, and this building has been adapted several times. Having a pastor, uh, having a paid pastor, several adaptations and innovations. Um, many of these, not without their... Um, Discussions, or what? What was the the phrase we used last a couple weeks ago? We were not all of one mind with several of these adaptations and innovations. Men and women sitting together. Women with uncovered heads. Some of you probably still remember that. Sunday schools. Something that we think is just. Well, we can't imagine church without a Sunday school today, but uh, late 1880s, uh, the church, the, the denomination, that was one of the hot-button issues that actually tore the denomination apart was wrestling over Sunday school and higher education and, and those kinds of um, issues, debates. Okay, a prayer labyrinth. Yeah. Right, yes. Okay, members participating in the military. Electronic tithing. Innovation and adaptation. All right, you guys got a, a whole bunch, and, and you named everything that I had written down in a short list, um, so you covered all of that. Let me ask another question. What innovations or adaptations do you see taking place in Scripture? Say, say that healing on Sabbath. So Jesus healed on Sabbath. Recognition of women. Socializing with sinners. And, and, and even, um, you know, we'll take that a little bit further, uh, or I don't know, further, differently. Um, Gentiles and, and how the, the mission and the story and the gospel, the good news of Jesus, goes beyond its Jewish origins to a Gentile audience. We were reading about one um, innovative way God was communicating with his people this morning. What was that? A burning bush. It, it doesn't get, I, I never would have thought of it. 
Um, so uh, God is very innovative in how he communicates. Few others to consider. Maybe some that aren't quite as explicit in scripture. The oral tradition of the biblical stories are passed down and then put into a written form. Originally, our written form was Hebrew and Aramaic, but that gets translated to Greek in between the, the Old and New Testament periods. Christians later translate to Latin and then to other languages. Sometimes these other translations had a lot of conflict associated with them. In fact, uh, two famous translators, Jan Hus and John Wycliffe, were martyred for their attempts to translate into uh, the English language. Some other innovations in God's communication. He, different times, has direct conversations. Sometimes he has a burning bush. Sometimes God speaks through a donkey. Other times he sends his message in angels or dreams. Um, one innovative way of God communicating was God wrestling with Jacob. Again, not a way that I would maybe think of uh, communicating or interacting with humanity. We have the innovation of the tabernacle and a specific location of God's presence. And later this is adapted to the temple. It was meant to be a center of recognition of God's presence in the midst of God's people. But later it kind of took on its own form. Uh, it became a whole religious, legal, and economic system. And actually um, some innovations, not great innovations, separated people from the presence of God in that temple. Jesus will adapt and innovate by replacing the temple with himself as the temple. <clears throat> How did the original apostles adapt and innovate? Can you think of those first uh, apostles after Jesus returns uh, to the Father? They're sent out. What are some ways that they innovate and adapt? Missionary journeys, and, and, and we kind of touched on this already. Those journeys took them, and, and they interacted with Gentiles, which was uh, an adaptation and, again, not without its controversy when, when Paul really starts ministering uh, with the, the Gentiles. Well, we, one innovation or adaptation is that um, the church decides not to hold Gentile believers accountable for all of the details of the Jewish law. You can read about their conversation and disagreements in Acts 15. We have Paul referencing pagan poets, philosophers, and idols in his discussions with Gentiles. Paul even references Olympic-style athletic contests, which his Jewish faith would have prohibited him from experiencing because athletes at that time, uh, the athletic wear, they didn't have Nike and all of that, Adidas and all of that clothing to wear, so they chose to compete in the nude. And uh, a good Jew wouldn't have participated or been observing those athletic contests, and yet Paul uses them. He uses them as examples in his letters. We have a further uh, development of a gospel writing style. When Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John begin to write this story down, they're not following 
the example or, or a, a recognized style of writing. They used and adapted cultural opportunities like roads and trade routes to expand the good news. And so as cultures changed, the way in which God's people remained faithful required innovation, adaptation, and fearlessness. One other example. To be a follower of Yahweh during the reign of Solomon, at kind of when, the, when the temple was built, you know, a good follower of Yahweh would get to temp the temple at those uh, recognized holidays. They would be there. They would be worshiping. Was very different than being a follower of Yahweh during the time of Daniel, when they did not have access to the temple. It's the same Yahweh, and yet faithfulness in those contexts was lived out in different ways. So I wonder what it might look like for us to raise innovative, adaptable, and fearless disciples. One thing that that might mean is permission giving. Not all of us are those innovative folks that, that have those brainstorms in the middle of the night about what it might look like for the church to, to be Jesus in the community. Not all of us wake up with those ideas. I don't know if you've ever seen this, this kind of bell curve of uh, adapting. It's called the innovation adoption curve. And at this end, uh, we have innovators. It's a small group of folks who really start to dream new dreams and see new visions, and, and they're kind of trying out new things. And then after them, we have early adopters, those that kind of jump on, that, that, that come along and, and help fill out those visions of those innovators. And then we keep rising up, and there's more of a, an early majority that are cheering these folks on and, and, and jumping on board with this, these new visions. And then we have a, a late majority, those that, you know, they're a little slower to the game. And then we have what, what is called on this curve laggards, those that are kind of um, they're coming along, maybe not uh, all gung-ho about the changes and the adaptations that are happening but they are eventually coming along. Not everyone is an innovator. Not everyone is an early adopter. You don't have to be, but if the church is to remain faithful to the way of Jesus in the 21st century, in Hershey, in this day, in this time, we will have to give permission for innovators to innovate. And innovation often involves something that we call today prototyping, which involves testing and experimenting. And some innovations succeed great in great ways. And other times, innovations are something of a trial and error process. It's only a failure if we don't learn from it. And we have to change our way of thinking from we've always done it this way or we've never done it that way before to we haven't tried this yet. I wonder what it would look like for us to try this now. So let me ask another question. What fears or cautions are there in innovating and adapting?
ridicule. So that's a, something that could happen because we innovate and adapt. Losing attending people. Is that what you said? Sometimes uh, that's a risk we take. It's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable to innovate and adapt and fear of how it will appear. Okay. Not sure if it'll work. So I, I want to share this. Uh, I don't know where it was at in my notes, but um, speaking of not sure of how it will work, the first night that we had the food trucks. I got here early, and I know I heard this from a couple of people. We were hoping somebody would show up. We did a whole lot of work in advertising and, and letting folks know that something was going to be happening here. But, you know, with that kind of event, you don't have a sign-up sheet. You didn't ask all the community to, to pre-register for how many people were going to come. The food truck vendors had no idea how many people were going to come. Um, and they sold out of food the first night. And some of them have continued to sell out of food. So we had no idea whether it was going to work or not. I think one other fear for me is will the innovations and the adaptations be faithful? You know, sometimes we try different things for the sake of trying something different, which isn't always bad. Sometimes that's a really good thing. But we need to be faithful and make sure that those adaptations and innovations are being faithful to who Jesus has called this group of people to be at this time in this community. Let me ask another a question then about the food trucks. Have the food trucks been a success? Since we're talking about practical examples, since we're talking about things that, some things that we have innovated and adapted, have the food trucks been a success? I'm seeing some thumbs up, some yeses. All right, so it's drawing people here. And I guess th this is, if we want to say, is it a success, we need to define our metrics or what things are we, were we trying to pursue with these food trucks. It depends on our criteria. So if we ask the question, have a lot of people come? Yes. Did folks find out that there was a church at the end of East Ariba? Now, let me change the question, mess with you a little bit here. Did they just find a building at the end of East Ariba? Or have they actually caught a glimpse of the church at the end of East Ariba? Have people been able to rekindle or engage in relationships? Have food truck vendors been blessed? Has our neighborhood been blessed? These metrics are a little bit more um, significant to me, and I would agree. 
that, these, that this has been a success. Some innovations or prototypes, things that we will try as a church, may not always work out like the food trucks have. I think back over the last two years, and, and we've had to worship in a number of different ways. We've uh, tried some different things online and, and uh, hybrid services and things like that. Some of them have worked. Some of them have not worked. Uh, I, I was trying to think of a couple of different things. We tried moments of silence, or we tried um, some home scripture readings, and, and I think some of those worked when we were all online, and some of those didn't. And folks would say, hey, I'm not sure that that really worked in this format. And, and that's okay. And we, we move on, we learn from that, and we grow. So sometimes our innovations or our prototypes don't always work out the way that we think. And again, I think that's only a failure if we don't learn from those, those lessons. Here's something of what I'm learning and seeing about needed innovation and adaptation in the church world around us. Now, I was trained in pragmatic ministry, in programmatic ministry. Much of my training on following a particular model and figuring out how to organize and fund that particular model. And then it filled me with systematic theology uh, that at some point I could adequately regurgitate for someone. But much of what we've been talking about with living and, and sharing and relationship-based neighborhood engagement is about learning to orient myself towards a posture of listening to those around me and learning to enter into the world of others. It takes some reorienting of the way we think about um, mission it takes some reorienting of the way we think about neighborhood engagement. Our programs are great, and they can be a wonderful tool for, for uh, ministering to the neighbors around us. But it's not always just about a program. It's not always about naming that ministry that is reaching out into our community. Sometimes it's about you and I living life with those around us, with our neighbors, with our coworkers, with those that we go to school with, and listening. Listening to what's happening in, in the lives of those around us. Listening to their, to their joys and their concerns, to use some church words. Listening to how God might be moving in their life. And sometimes they can't always name that. They, can't, they don't always say, this is how God's moving in my life. But we need to listen. I wonder, too, what will it look like practically to be a faithful church in the future? It's really important that we learn lessons from the past. It's also really important to look hard at the culture we're trying to communicate with and think about those implications for a faithful witness. As followers of Jesus, of any tradition, any Christian tradition or denomination, it seems that you and I are invited 
to passionately live and share the radical transformation and holistic peace of Jesus. Jesus invited his disciples to go into all the world and preach the good news, to live it out, to share it in word and deed. And this is the invitation to each of us who calls Jesus Lord. Each of us are invited through relationship-based neighborhood engagement that our way of living and sharing should look like the way of Jesus. And as, as a people, as the church, we are called to develop a culture of calling and equipping disciples who are innovative, adaptable, because our world and culture have changed and disciples who are fearless in following Jesus. Ultimately, the way of Jesus is about laying down our own preferences, our own fears, our own uh, safety nets, our own security, even our own lives to take up our cross and to follow Jesus. So I don't expect that adapting and innovating come easy to all of us. I expect that at times there is some friction and rub in, in how we innovate and adapt, and that's nothing new to the church. That's nothing new. But as a people trying to follow Jesus together, I hope that we are praying and discerning what it means to be faithful to what Jesus has called the Spring Creek Church of the Brethren to do in Hershey in 2021, in 2022, in 2023, and, and moving forward. What does it look like for us to be faithful to what God is calling us to do in these times and in this community? May we be innovative, adaptable, fearless, and faithful to what Jesus calls us to. Amen? Amen. Come now and follow Jesus in the way of the cross. Rejoice in hope. Hold fast to what is good. Persevere in prayer do not become do not be overcome by evil but overcome evil with good as far as is possible live peaceably with all and may god hear your cries and deliver you may christ jesus repay you with fullness of life and may the holy spirit be with you always nourishing you in love and hope we go in peace to love and serve the Lord. In the name of Christ, amen.